God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think it's easy to say that each of us would like some sort of reward. If we do something, we would like a reward afterwards. If, if we go to get even an ice cream, it's great to have a reward, like a little cherry put on top afterwards. It's nice to be rewarded for what we've done. But we find pretty quickly that rewards are very different for every single person. There's this one lady who worked across from the school I worked at in seminary, who her reward was much different from what maybe we would think of as a reward. It seemed like every morning she'd come out and she'd bring her little broom that was used so much that there was only bristles that long on it, and she would sweep her sidewalk almost every morning. Sometimes there would be grass on it, and so she would sweep it off. Sometimes there wouldn't be really anything on it at all. But she was out there every morning sweeping it, and then she would go and sit and look at her sidewalk. That was her reward, to be able to go and sweep the sidewalk and to know that it was clean. Her reward maybe isn't necessarily our reward. If we have stuff on our sidewalk, either we contemplate just leaving it there and hoping the wind will come and blow it away, or we're forced to go out and do it and and clean it up afterwards. But I don't think my reward is sitting there seeing necessarily a clean sidewalk. Lately, I've been seeing posters up around in our neighborhood for lost animals. A lot of them say lost dog or lost cat, a certain reward given if you find them. But more and more, I've been seeing the other type of the other type of publications on uh, electrical boxes and on pillars. It says, "Cat found or dog found," and it just amazes me how people are willing to go and take a picture of this animal, write a description, print it off, and, and go around and post it everywhere, trying to find the owner of this animal because. Their reward is bringing that animal back to be with their owners. Well, there's the opposite of that, too. There's, I'm not sure if you heard of this story. It was a while ago. A man who found a dog. I think this was New York. There's a $500 reward for that dog if they found it and brought it back to the family. But before he brought it back to the family, he called them up and said, your reward isn't big enough. That $500 reward... Make it a thousand, I'll bring your dog back. His reward was obviously having more money than was actually given in the reward. So every single person's rewards are different. They're, they're all different, and every single person, they enjoy one thing or another. But there's one thing that we do know we all enjoy rewards. It's always good to have something afterwards that we appreciate for the work that we've done. Well, today Paul takes that concept of reward and he kind of turns it on his head. He changes it around. He, He comes to us and he says, first of all, I'm an apostle. In 1 Corinthians, he explains to them, this is what that means. This is the privileges that come along with being an apostle. And we're going to pick up actually before our sermon text for today. We're going to look... We're going to look back in chapter 9, 1 Corinthians, starting at verse 7. 
where it says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? All those are rhetorical questions. Well, of course that doesn't happen. And he goes on to say, I, Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain. It is about an oxen that God is concerned. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing the harvest. So Paul is laying down a pretty basic principle here. He says, if someone's doing work, certainly they should take harvest or take reward in doing that work. So if someone is tending the grapes, if they have a vineyard, if they take care of them, they watch over them, they harvest them, certainly they should take part in the harvest that is there. And for the person who is threshing grain, certainly he should take part in his harvest. For the, the soldier who is working, he doesn't do it just to be a soldier. He does it for compensation. He does it for his country. And Paul takes that basic principle and he says, consider this. That's what happens in the world. That's what happens when people work. They receive reward. They receive compensation for their pay. Now consider this, starting at verse 11. If we, he's talking about himself and the other apostles, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Paul has explained to them there, those people who go and carry the gospel, those who, who give their lives perhaps full-time to carrying the God's word and studying God's word and teaching God's word to his people, shouldn't they too receive in a material harvest? Just like a worker deserves its wages, so someone who is working for the kingdom of God deserves wages for themselves to be paid so that they can do it because it takes time, takes effort. And not to be paid in a way that makes them rich, but to care for their material needs, to care for their everyday needs so that they can continue to do what God called them to do. Paul lays this principle before them. He says, this is good and right to do. But then he takes that and he turns it around. Certainly he says the worker deserves his wages, and so the gospel preacher, the minister, those who faithfully carry out God's word deserves wages, but then he goes into our sermon text for today, and he turns it all around. He begins to say, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me, if I do not preach the gospel. In that little phrase there, Paul is taking us through a history of himself. And perhaps what people view Paul as. Remember, Paul used to be an enemy of the church. Anything that he could do to fight against the Christian church, to discredit the name of Christ, he would be doing. Going from one 
city to another, persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, even killing them. He was willing to do it. That's what he wanted to do. In fact, he was compelled to do that because it seemed as if Christianity was undermining his own faith and his own traditions and his own belief. But then you know how the story goes. A man who was once called Saul changed his name to Paul. Not just because he wanted to, because on his journey to a city named Damascus, Jesus himself showed himself to to Paul and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking it against the go? Why are you doing this to my congregation and to my church and to my people and to me? And then has he so clearly explained to the prophet Ananias about Paul, this man is my instrument to carry my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to Israel so that they may know my name. So someone could argue about Paul, he was obligated to preach. He was forced to preach. But Paul uses this. He goes on in verse 18, 17 and 18, and he uses this to advantage to show the people in the Corinthians what preaching meant to him. Verse 17 says, If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. So if Paul was just doing this on his own accord, certainly he could say, I, I just enjoy doing this. I have the blessings of carrying out the gospel and spreading that message to people. I have a reward. But if not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. And then he says, What then is my reward? We might think Paul was doing this under compulsion, under obligation, because God came to him and said, you are doing this. You are going to be my teacher to carry my name to Gentiles and to Jews alike. But then Paul says, if I'm doing this voluntarily, I get a reward. So what's my reward? He says, just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. So no one make use of my rights, so not make use of my rights in preaching it. So just a few verses before, Paul sets up this truth, this right he had as an apostle, preaching God's word, that he should be compensated and paid for his work. He says this is necessary so that these men can go out and preach God's word. And then he stands before the Corinthians and he says, I'm not going to take that right. I'm going to set that right aside. I'm going to come and I'm going to preach God's word to you free of charge to show you something truly important. As I preach, certainly I have a call, but I do it voluntarily. I do it for this reward so that I can share this gospel with you. Paul puts his money where his mouth is. He says, this gospel is my reward. 
even though I was an enemy before and, and, and made a, apostle of the church and had this teaching to go and carry to all people, I've come to realize, I've come to see that this is my reward. The very fact that I get to share God's good news with you free of charge. And there, Paul demonstrates what Christ has done for us. This free of charge gospel. That Christ came, putting aside all the benefits he had in the glory of heaven, humbling himself to be a man, setting aside his power, taking on the burden of sin and death, dying on the cross. And what was his reward? So that you and I might live. He did that willingly. That was his great reward. Not that he could stand before the whole earth and say, look at what I have done, look at my accomplishment, but to say, I have given a gospel that is for the salvation of everyone who believes. So Paul, the same way he comes to us and he says, isn't that the reward? It's so rewarding, in fact, that he goes on in verses 19, though I am free and belong to no man, he's saying, I'm not a slave to anyone. No one owns me. No one can tell me what to do. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I became all things to all men, so that by all means possible, I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. The reward is so great for Paul that he says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to give up my own rights. He was a Jew growing up. He followed the traditions, and yet Christ had freedom from all those traditions and laws. And yet he says, for the sake of the Jews, I'll be a Jew. I will obey tradition if it means I get to share God's gospel to them in a way that doesn't offend them. To those not having the law, to the Gentile, well, I'm not going to enforce all my Jewish ways and traditions and beliefs and, on them to scare them away from God's rewarding gospel. To those who are weak, the Christians that, that don't grasp the, the greater and deeper truths of God's word, I'll sit down with them and be weak with them so that they might hear the gospel so that some might be saved. So you and I are are same as Paul. Isn't that our reward? So here we are, ready, ready for the sake of the gospel to, to give up everything, our rights and everything that we do, our time, 
but are we really? Because I could say, no, I'm not. Many times I like to hold to my freedoms. Many times I think that the, the gospel itself isn't necessarily the reward that God gives us. I only look to the effects of the gospel and hope that as I go and preach and teach and knock on people's doors, that people by the hundreds and thousands come into this church and when I don't see that, I don't feel any reward. Sometimes we become anxious in teaching the gospel for that reason. Because as we teach, we're criticized perhaps. Maybe not face to face, but just the criticism of them not listening to us and hearing how valuable it is to us and how precious it is to us and instead they just kind of disregard it. And all of a sudden we begin to say, well, let's leave those who are obligated to preach the gospel. Maybe leave it to pastor and the evangelism committee to carry out God's word. Because I find no reward in it. But as we hear God's word, we, we hear how he even puts us under compulsion as a church. Go and preach God's word, he says. Encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Watch out for each other. Look after the widows and the orphans. Help those who are in need. And sometimes we... We feel like we're forced to do this. We have to do this. But what Paul wants us to see, what Paul is showing us, that's the reward. To be able to share the gospel, to be able to speak what Christ has done for you to another person, what a great reward that is. Because first we are reminded of what Christ has done for us, that he set aside everything, his own freedoms, his own life for us, so that we might have eternal life. And then we see, as Paul sees, only those who have received the gospel can then preach it. I think every single person looks for rewards in life whether it's small rewards, big rewards. But here's the one reward that's unique to you and to me and to all believers. That we have the words of Christ, the gospel. And that in seeing that gospel, we can make ourselves nothing, like a slave, for the sake of preaching that gospel, so that some might be saved. Not everyone we encounter will come to believe. The Holy Spirit doesn't promise that his his word will force someone to believe in Christ for their salvation. It says it will work on their hearts to the glory of God. But we're not necessarily here for just the numbers. We're not here to see those results. We're here to preach. So that's By preaching, some might believe. What a wonderful and great reward that is. 
that we have been given. That every day we can open our mouths and we can share what's been shared with us in the Word. What a great reward we've been given. What a great honor and a pleasure. What a great blessing that we can stand with Paul and we can say, you know, I can share this freely. Even taking into my, my time and, and cutting into my activities, I can put those aside and for the sake of someone, I can sit down and explain. This is the power of God for your salvation and for mine. May God bless us as we carry out his message and preach it to all people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed printed for you on the bottom of page 7 in your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.